Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, I'm Janet Miranda, Executive Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Just Ask Janet. And of course, Father Frank and I, Father Frank, National Director, welcome to the program. Good to be here again. Well, of course, brothers and sisters, if you tuned in last night, you know we began to take a dive into the Dobbs decision, uh, something that we have all been so elated about, but something also, there's a lot of bad rumors out there among the pro-aborts, and they're dominating the media for the most part with falsehoods, total falsehoods about this decision. So we're going to continue with our class tonight. And if you have questions, we want you to send us your questions and Father will read uh, some of the questions in between our discussion. So as we had said, uh, basically the Alito leaked document is basically still intact in this decision, only now it's expanded. Uh, And also uh, I'm holding it here. It's like 200 pages. But in this decision, is also the concurrence of Kavanaugh and Thomas and also the dissent of the other three, and you know who they are. <clears throat> I won't even dignify the program with naming them. Uh, okay, our three wonderful left people who love to kill babies till birth. Okay, so we'll put them to the side. So right now I'm going to ask Father Frank, because he has read the entire decision at least once or twice, uh, picked it apart, and he's going to start right now in taking us into the arguments step by step. So, Father, let's go with the first uh, part of your discussion. Okay, very good. Well, welcome, everybody. And uh, so, Janet, as you know, when this first came out, the first thing that I read aloud was the section on the first page of the decision that says what the holding was of the decision. Let me read that again. Held, the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. So that's the first and critical statement that this decision makes. That's the basic conclusion that it comes to. And the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. The pro-abortion side has been holding for for decades that, oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. This is a constitutional right. So let me go over here actually to the board because I want to put a few key concepts on the board for people to understand how this court came to this conclusion. First of all, a very interesting thing that they point out. So Roe was decided, as we know, in 1973, that and it, it erroneously said the Constitution does confer a right to abortion. And then something happened in, well, the court continued uh, deciding cases on abortion. There were dozens of abortion cases that followed, okay? And then one of the key ones was in 1992, Mm -hmm. and that was the Casey decision, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, (laughs) here's the interesting thing. Planned Parenthood versus Casey We thought, and many people thought at that time, that that decision would overrule Roe v. Wade. Many thought that what happened last Friday was going to happen in June of 1992 when this decision came out. But it didn't. However, however, uh, there were 
four justices in the case that were willing to reverse Roe v. Wade. So we came just one vote shy of that. Because there was such a a strong um, subset of the justices that wanted to reverse Roe v. Wade, there really wasn't much support in the Casey decision for Roe. I mean, they upheld it, okay, but they did not um, reaffirm or repeat its reasoning. Now, this is an important consideration. The only reason that Casey upheld Roe v. Wade is that it had been in place for a long time, right. if you can believe that. And it, it's mm-hmm. like, and that's what the, this doctrine of stare decisis, which are two Latin words. Stare means to stand, and decisis is a word that means things that have been decided. So you stand with the, you let the things that have been decided stand. Well, okay. and, Father, and also, too, didn't they also say, well, women have come to rely on abortion at this point? That's when right. Abortion, it, that it, was- exactly. And the Dobbs decision goes into that argument also in great depth, which we will see as we go through it. They 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 address that very directly. But yes, that's exactly right. They said, oh, all this time had gone by. Now, of course, as you can see, what was it? 29 years. You know, all right, 30 years, three decades. That is a long time. And and it was like they said, well, you know, women have come to rely on the, the abortion. But, you know, that's hardly a reason to reaffirm a case, right? It's like, in fact, in Planned Parenthood versus Casey, there's even a... Um, an indication that, well, you know, not all of us might even agree with the reasoning uh, or, or or the reliability uh, of Roe. Uh, but, you know, well, you don't want to change it now. So that's a pretty, <laughs> that, 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 that's a pretty weak uh, foundation to stand on. And you know something, Father, when you think about it, in 1992, um, we didn't have the women of Silent No More, and we didn't have a, a lot of abortion recovery programs out there. At that point, there was just women exposed by abortion, WEBA. Right. They began to speak a little bit, but the groundswell of voices about regret and abortion recovery programs blossoming all over, that came much later. And so therefore, they were able to fool themselves into thinking, well, women have come to rely on abortion, and they're okay with it. That was a big mistake, you know? Exactly. Now, here's an astonishing point. Let me read right from the Dobbs case. It says, the critical question is whether the Constitution, properly understood, confers a right to abortion. Casey's controlling opinion, Casey, get ready for this. I'm going to write it down here on the board. Skipped over that question. Now, let this sink in for a moment, brothers and sisters. Let this sink in for a moment. Roe v. Wade said there's a right to abortion. Planned Parenthood versus Casey almost reversed Roe, but it didn't. It upheld it. But it skipped over the main question. Does the Constitution confer a right to abortion? That's a different question from saying, oh, well, has the decision been around for such a long time that we don't want to reverse it? You see the difference? In other words, you can say that a decision was decided wrongly 
But, you know, it's been around so long and so many people rely on it. Now we want to let it stand anyway. They didn't answer the core question. In the Dobbs case, the current justices said, you know what? We're going to examine that question. And here's the, here's the position they took. They said, if something's been around a long time, that's one thing. But, you know, a wrong decision can be around a long time. That still doesn't make it right. And stare decisis, well, one of the things that relies on is not just the amount of time that's gone by, but Janet, they said it relies on, and we've got to examine the strength of its underlying reasons. So the strength of the reasoning. And yeah, and, see, court- and, yeah, and Father, that's perfect because what was true back in Rowan 72 and 73 no longer applies because right. we now have 2,800 pregnancy resource centers. They didn't have that back then. We now have ultrasound. We see the unborn child. We know the damage abortion has done to women because we had our, our documents that, are, that we added from Silent No More for the justices to read. So things have dramatically changed since then, right? And that's part of what they're saying, right, Father? Yep. Yep. And then they go into the analysis. Now, let's look at the analysis that they... Um, that they do about the reasoning underpinning Roe v. Wade. Okay, so one of the things they're going to say is, okay, the first thing you do if you're claiming that there's a constitutional right to something is you look what? You look at the text, right, of the Constitution. Now, I have, Janet, as you know, I carry around my pocket version of the Constitution, right? And I'm sure many of our viewers do as well. And they claim, um, you know, Father, that the 14th Amendment gives them a right to abortion. That's the big claim. Well, well, yes, yeah, exactly. So, so, so let's let's. Go, that was what I was going to go into. So, the word abortion is not in the text. Right. Okay. It's very easy to uh, ascertain that, and the other side does not deny that. Okay. Now. Then you say, well, then where does it reside? Where where does this right to abortion reside? And Roe v. Wade, believe it or not, they mention various amendments in which they claim that it resides. But Roe v. Wade sort of says, well, (laughs) it's somewhere in there, but we're not exactly sure. (laughs) They're not precise. Right. And they mention the First Amendment, the Fourth, the Fifth the ninth, and the 14th. And it's almost like they're trying to, to, to do cups and saucers. You know, they're trying to, oh, let's create the impression that it's really strong in there. And they just start throwing out all these amendments, you know. You know, and, 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 and why are they mentioning these? You know, well, of course, the First Amendment, you know, just, you know, the freedom of, the, the freedom of religion. You know, if people, some people actually defend abortion based on the freedom of religion. The fourth and the fifth, you know, you, you, you have uh, a certain autonomy you know, to your body and to your home, and the government can't just go in there and do what it wants uh, to you. Uh, the Ninth Amendment talks about rights that um, that the states can grant that are not in the, uh, the, the federal government. And then the Fourteenth Amendment talks about no person may be deprived of life or liberty, and there's that word liberty, or a property without due process of law. So the due process. Okay. So Roe was a little bit, mm, it's in there somewhere, you know. 
when Casey came along, they focused on the 14th. 14th Amendment, right. Right. Liberty. Uh-huh. So the 14th Amendment is saying, by the way, it's talking about the states. Now, in the 5th Amendment, that's why 5 is up here, too. The 5th Amendment also says you can't be deprived of liberty without due process of law. But there we're talking about the federal government. When the 14th Amendment came along, it incorporated that into the states so that the states cannot do this either. Okay, so you can't deprive me of liberty. So the pro-abortion people are saying, well, look, the word abortion is not in the Constitution. Neither is the word privacy, by the way. But the word liberty is more than once. So under the umbrella of liberty, I am saying that I have the freedom, the liberty to end my pregnancy if I so choose. So Dobbs now asks the question that Casey did not adequately ask or answer. And that is, under what basis do we consider there to be rights conferred under the 14th Amendment if they are not mentioned in the Constitution? The first through the Eighth Amendments, one through eight, give explicit rights. Freedom of speech, we're all familiar with the rights that they give, right? Right to bear arms, uh, protection against unreasonable search and seizure, various other rights. Okay, they're explicit in those amendments. But then there are other rights that are not actually mentioned in the Constitution, and they're called unenumerated because they're not mentioned by name. So unenumerated rights. Well, what are they? And that's the question. You know, if you say to somebody, you have liberty, people are going to interpret that in different ways. And and what one person thinks they can do, you know, another person might say, ah, oh, maybe that goes too far. And you end up having all kinds of, you know, individual interpretations and you can be led into activities more by passion than by reason. So in order, and, and then not only that, but if a judge is judging a case and they, they say, well, you know, you have this liberty because it's an unenumerated right, how are we to protect our system from just going along with the individual preferences of the judge and not where the American people are really at? And the answer to interpret liberty is history. And this is what Dobbs goes into in a great amount of length. History. History in the sense of the following. Is there, if you look at American history, uh, an assertion of this right that you say is a constitutional right, even though it's unenumerated? And what is our ordered concept of liberty? You know, liberty is not license. A person can just do whatever they want. We have a system of ordered liberty and liberty that has to respect and serve law and order. So if you look at the history, uh, especially if someone is claiming it's under the 14th Amendment, Here's what Dobbs says, and I'll just put this here, Janet, and then I'll sit down again. We can discuss it and see if there's some questions or comments from the people. Okay. But the history part of this is extremely important. So what they ask is, looking back at the American history, 
Switch your marker, Father. That one's terrible. Can't see. Oh. Ah. Ah. <laughs> Stick with the black. Okay. Is there any law that asserts, remember what we're saying here, is there an assertion of a right to abortion in American history? Okay. Is there any law, state, federal, is there anything in a constitution, because remember we have a constitution for every state, uh, is there a constitutional provision? Is there a court decision? Again, either state or federal. Is there a scholarly treatise? Because, you know, law is developed very often with scholarly treatises that gain a great deal of respect uh, and um, publicity. <laughs> the answer is very simple. No. 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 Zero. 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 Nada, nada, like we say in Spanish, okay? <laughs> in the history of the United States, up until 1973, that is, in the history of the United States, there is nowhere an assertion of a right to abortion. As a matter of fact, if you're talking about the 14th Amendment, at the time it was ratified... 1868, three quarters of the states, three quarters of the states prohibited abortion throughout pregnancy. Right. No abortion in all pregnancy. So how could a state be ratifying an amendment that they thought provided the liberty to get an abortion and at the same time be passing laws prohibiting the very same action. Doesn't make any sense. So I'm going to pause there um, and we'll continue this analysis as we go on with these lessons. But this is a very big crux of the, of the decision to say, well, wait a minute, unless, and here's the reason, it has to be rooted in the history, and the, and, the, and the Supreme Court has mentioned this in other decisions. For example, Janet, you may remember, this was not that long ago for, for us. We, we've been working in this movement. In 1997, right. remember there was a case that went to the Supreme Court about a right to assisted suicide, mm -hmm. the Glucksburg case. And the court actually ruled uh, in favor of pro-life in that, in that case. They said, no, there is not a constitutional right to suicide. Uh, assisted suicide. Um, the, the the court said that that uh, uh, and this was one of the reasons it gave. You can't just start inventing rights, okay, right. and say that they are under the Fourteenth Amendment. Uh, the due process clause is here what we're talking about. You can't be deprived of liberty without due process. Because there was no history of assisted suicide in our there's country. No, there's no history, right. right? They said it's not. It doesn't have support in the history. And here's the importance of that. I'll just make this point, and then I'll sit down. Unless you can find something deeply rooted in the history, you risk creating constitutional rights based on the whims or opinions of the justices. Right. You can't have, this is not a country ruled by nine people. 
But mm-hmm. unless you can root something in history, you're going to have a situation mm-hmm. where it's run by nine people and whatever the majority of them happen to think on a certain day, which basically means it can be run by five people. So, Janet, those are some of the, the right. beginning, the beginning, if you will, of the um, of the well, argument. In this and, and that's the whole important thing that the other side isn't getting, that they can still kill babies in a lot of states. Um, all as the justices did was get out of being the medical review board. They literally took abortion out of the judicial branch of government and threw it back where it belongs to the legislative branch. And so these abortion loving people should, you know, calm down. There's plenty of states right now that have laws on their books to kill babies till birth. So you can go and get your abortions, but it also gives the will of the people now to elect more pro-life representatives and maybe begin to change those laws, but also to firm up in other states where they will ban abortion. So, um, I'm just delighted that we're getting to this point, Father, where we can make more progress, finally, you know? And, and you know, that progress, mm-hmm. as you know, is unfolding pretty quickly right in these very days because yes. uh, trigger laws are now going into effect day by mm-hmm. day, uh, hour by hour. Uh, injunctions against uh, pro-life laws are being lifted, you know, because the judges in the lower courts have to follow the guidance of the Supreme Court. Uh, and so we're in a great position right now for the unborn. Well, and, and that's what people don't realize, that at the federal level, there were a lot of things all over the country that were just sitting in limbo, so to speak, because those federal judges said, well, until we hear about Dobbs, we're not going to rule in this case. So yeah. now, don't they have to father? It's like a, a, an up-down thing. If the Supreme Court says this, well, they can't rule against that now. Correct. No, now they have to follow just like they had to follow Roe before. They have to follow Dobbs now. Yeah. Does anyone have any questions? Are there any questions coming through? Well, let's see. Uh, there's a lot of nice comments. Uh, uh, hey, hey guys, do you like the way Father Frank loves to get on that whiteboard like a teacher? You know, he, he's, <laughs> he's always wanted to be a teacher, too, besides being a priest. You know? <laughs> oh, Michael is saying, asking a good question here. Uh, would Father Frank Pavone be willing to uh, teach an online class on the pro-life movement. Absolutely, that's exactly yeah. what we plan to do mm-hmm. with um, with our with our with our programs. And we've been developing more and more programs right. uh, here at the on the on our, our endabortion.tv. Well, because you know, Father uh, Frank and I, we've been in this movement for over thirty years. Scary when you hear that number. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we have the privilege of saying we knew Dr. Bernard Nathanson when he became pro-life and then and she became a Catholic. We knew Norma McCorvey and Sandra Kano, the Roman Doe of those decisions. And we knew, of course, Joe Scheidler, the the Wilkies, Nellie Gray, so many other people. So we really have um, when it comes to the history of the pro-life movement, boy. Uh, we can give a real solid foundation. And I really think, you know, Father, it's important for the younger people and the younger pro-life leaders to really know more about the history, lest we repeat it, but also you learn so much from it. And I remember when the uh, announcement came out on Friday, you know, I, I was on live for two and a half hours. And one of the people I was talking to was Eric Scheidler. And we were reminiscing about his dad and how he influenced so many of us to, and helped us get involved and get our footing in the pro-life movement. So, yeah, Father, we, we could te- we're going to be teaching a lot of classes <laughs> online. 
Michael is making a good point about, you know, we were just talking about the assisted suicide ruling back in 1997. And he says, are people not familiar with redemptive suffering? The pro-life movement uh, indicates the value of life even at the time of death. Right. So the value of life, you know, this reminds me of John Paul II in the uh, Gospel of Life uh, encyclical document he wrote. Mm-hmm. He says, why is life always a good? It's always a good because it's always a reflection of the glory of God, even in times of weakness and suffering. Uh, and Michael, thanks for reminding us of that. Because in our Christian faith, what we do with our weakness and suffering is unite those to Christ. Christ actually unites uh, our pain with his our death with his, and that's why he redeems it. It's redemptive suffering because it actually leads us then into the fullness of life. It's a great, it's the great paradox of the cross. And, um, and of course, St. John Paul II it lived his life near the end showing us about that suffering and how to die with dignity. So, you know, he he took us to the, to the end that way, really, by leading that example. Yes, and someone was mentioning Janet Nellie Gray's birthday. You know, yes. the Dobbs decision came out right, right, right at the time. Her birthday was the very next day, the June twenty fifth, June the twenty fifth. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it was one day. You know, but for her, it was a big birthday present up up in heaven. Up in heaven, and, and she'll be delighted now because we should be marching come January instead of to the Supreme Court. I think we need to march to Congress <laughs> because that's the whole idea. It's gone back to the states and the federal government. So I, I, I think we're going to be marching on Congress. <laughs> uh, Mary Kaminsky is watching, Janet, and she has a question. Let's put that one on the screen. Uh, can you put together this information you've given in bullet points so we can use them when speaking to people? And, of course, that's exactly what we're working on, right, Janet? Mm-hmm. I, did, I, oh, did yeah. some, I did some work on that today. In fact, today, for those of you that are on my email list, our Priest for Life email list, uh, I did send, I'm sending out an email each day with various uh, talking points, but we are going to put that all together. We have, Janet, talking points about the Dobbs case in general put together before it was decided, but also, but also actually what I did was I I expanded them when the leaked uh, uh, draft opinion came out. Because I was convinced, and this is what happened, as you mentioned already, right. uh, the leaked the leaked draft opinion is 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 in the official version. It, it's here. Right. I mean, this is essentially the same thing. The things that are added are when the 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 justices are commenting about the dissent, um, uh, uh, which wasn't written at that time. When and and Father, we want to remind them if they go to SupremeCourtVictory.com. That's our webpage where we keep adding information. So SupremeCourtVictory.com is where to go. But while Father's compiling all these talking points, eventually we're going to have it in a nice little booklet form also. And, and it's more like bullet-pointed brochure. But until we get that those printed, you can just go to SupremeCourtVictory.com because Father will keep posting everything up there. Right, Father? Yeah, that's right. So we'll, so again, and it'll come to it'll come to you, friends, in a number of ways. On that website where we have talking points already, mm-hmm. on these broadcasts where we do these classes, and in the email, in the daily emails that we're sending out. Make sure you're all signed up for our emails. You can you can sign up on endabortion.us. And then uh, finally, 
uh, the uh, the find the brochure booklet uh, that you're talking about now. So various different ways, and we're going to uh, to do that. Catherine, I want to answer your question, and Janet, you can comment on this. That's came in late. That's okay. What do you recommend pro-life movement should plan to do now in California? Is there hope? Ooh, well, California. Yeah. well, you know what? I was speaking out there not long ago to some big groups yeah. and, and they were telling me, oh yeah, Gavin Newsom, you know, he said this is going to be a sanctuary state for abortion. And I said to those people, what I want to say, Catherine, to you and all of you, whether California or whether any other state becomes a sanctuary for abortion, is not up to Gavin Newsom. It's up to you. Yes, there's hope because our electoral system still works. Yes, there's hope because we have the more persuasive arguments than the pro-aborts do. Yes, there's hope because now the pro-aborts are going to have a harder time making their case. And Janet, I pointed this out today in the email I sent. Dobbs makes it harder for the other side to make their case because they can't hide anymore behind the justices. Right. The debate on abortion prior to Dobbs, it was like, oh, well, hey, wait a minute. It's a constitutional right. You can't limit a constitutional right. Well, now they have to stop just rant, but just repeating that mantra and they have to actually persuade people that killing babies is a good thing. It's going to be much harder for them to do that now. And, you know, to make laws or to keep laws, you know, you got to persuade your fellow citizens. you got to persuade your lawmakers. And that's true even in California. Well, and that's why the elections that are coming up, Father, you know, people have to remember the entire House of Representatives is up for re-election. So listen, Californians, primaries are happening. I don't know when your primaries are. I'm sure they'll come up soon. It's time to call the Republican Party, find out who they're running against the pro-aboard Democrat and get out there and help spread the word, support those candidates, volunteer, go door to door, go door knocking. You can change the most pro-aboard city or county if everyone is determined to do it. And I'm going to give you an example. Ocala, Florida. Many years ago, Father Frank and I came to Ocala, Florida. And the pro-life and the church we spoke at, they were saying, oh, we're so frustrated. Everything here is pro-abortion. The, the town council, the school board, the mayor, everybody in our county. And, they, and, and the priest said, yeah, but we're going to change that. We're going to start bottom up and we're going to do it. It took them 10 years but right, Father, our good friend Sarah O'Callan now have 100% pro-life county from the school board to the mayor to the um, uh, the county offices, all of them, the judges, they're all pro-life. They were determined and they worked hard and they supported candidates and they encouraged young people. When they saw someone who had those qualities, they, they tell them, you should run. And they get them to run. So, brothers and sisters, it's always possible. I know Mary Kaminsky, she's from New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey, they're holding their heads because they put it in the Constitution. <laughs> oh, but things can change. Yes, you always. start small. You start in your county. And you've got to raise up some good people to run against these pro boards. And it can yes. happen. It takes Listen. a while. You've got to have grit and determination. Okay. No state is permanently blue right. and no state is permanently red. 
no county is permanently blue. No county is permanently red. You might have states, and we do have states, and we do have counties that are strongly uh, and sometimes almost unanimously red or, and, or blue and have been that way for a long, long time, but the statement is still true. They're not permanently that way. And, you know, this is a great year right now to change things uh, for the better because the mm -hmm. Democrats are really doing poorly when it comes to public opinion and polling and uh, the red wave is coming. Someone was saying that earlier in the comments. Uh, right. It's real. You know, I mean, it's already yeah. begun. And begun you know, to but they have to think back to when we had Ronald Reagan, nobody even thought that was going to be possible, that yeah. this Hollywood actor would become president and yeah. then would be such a, a dynamic president like he was. Kind of like what happened with Trump. No one thought this businessman from New York would be such a dynamic president and look what happened. So, you know, you got to just stay in the fight there and, and really... It's, this election is so important. Like all you people in San Francisco, come on, let's get rid of Nancy Pelosi. She's 82 years old. She should get into her rocking chair and spend time with her grandchildren, don't you think? <laughs> that's what I think. Uh, yeah. And th there's another one, too, um, that's even older than her father. Um, oh, the other one, Diane Feinstein, 89. Hello. Bye, Diane. Bye-bye. So see you, see, you know what's going to happen. In a couple of years, Feinstein is going to retire and not run again because she can't make 60 years. What is she going to do? Wait till she gets to be 100? So see, Californians, you should start looking for now a good woman. Groom them to run in her seat. You know, it's going to become available. This is how you change it. You got to start, you know, thinking like that. Okay. That's right. Oh, and they should go to... ProLifeVote.com, that's our ProLife voting site. You can volunteer to be on our election team. We have monthly Zoom calls. And come September, we'll be meeting every week with hints on how to get out there and take back our country. We're going to do it. I'm getting, That's I'm what it boils down to. Yeah, saving the country. It's literally, that's not an that's exaggeration. Yeah. So, Father, are there any more questions? Or we pretty much have answered everybody for now. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, Walter is asking, let's put Walter's question up there. Uh, do you think your teaching, my heartbeat, just like yours can be modified a bit to be taught in seventh and eighth grade and in high school? Well, first of all, the brochure can be okay. It, it's meant that the children can really digest it, but I have some good news for you. Uh, the group that helped put together those NASA pictures is working on a video, half hour video, exactly for what you're asking, but they're even doing it for grade school. Uh, it's in its final editing and development. And as soon as it's ready, Priest for Life, we're going to be the vehicle to get it out there. Uh, in the public square. So they're, the people who did those NASA pictures by which we launched the My Heartbeats program uh, have also now worked on a, a video for grade school uh, children. So we're really excited about that. Okay, I'm hoping by the fall it will be ready. <coughs> That's, you know, Father, I got the email and I've been, they actually have me previewing it and as a teacher helping. Yeah. Them. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, thank you, Walter, for that. Yeah, we'll certainly be uh, continuing to promote that campaign. And um, Megan has an interesting question. Uh, thoughts on the Episcopal Church uh, that considers abortion a blessing. 
Well, Danny, <laughs> you know, this this reminds us of RCRC, right? Yeah, right, uh, RCRC.org, brothers and sisters, the Religious Coalition of for Reproductive, reproductive choice. choice. RCRC. Now, the reason I mention that is that mm -hmm. the church you mentioned there, various other denominations and churches belong to it. And this is an, a, an organization that actually tries to make a Christian and biblical case, not against abortion, like historically for it. Uh, been the case, but for it right. is absolutely so ridiculous. But they have Bible studies for choice. They have, as you, you said, blessings. They actually have a blessing for a couple that wants to get an abortion. They consider abortion a blessing. Um, the, our, look it up. Look at the RCRC. And then let me give you another resource. And this is the other group that I lead, the national pro-life group that I lead, called the National Pro-Life Religious Council. The website is NPR Council, National Pro-Life Religious Council, nprcouncil.org. And when you go there, uh, you'll see a number of resources. Well, one of the resources I want to point out is a book we published called Holy Abortion? Question mark. And Holy Abortion takes on these positions that, like uh, you just mentioned, the Episcopal Church is saying, oh, abortion is a blessing. Uh, other churches saying, oh, Scripture teaches us about freedom. You know, Janet, it's a religious <laughs> version of the argument that the that right. Bible try to use constitutionally. Exactly. Oh, it's liberty. It's part of liberty. It's part of the 14th Amendment. And right. so these RCRC groups, they say, oh, well, it's part of the freedom that the Bible gives us. You know, mm -hmm. it's like yeah, the Bible also says don't use your freedom as a cloak for vice, you know, and uh, it, 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 it's, it's like Mike is saying, same old story, song and dance. They twist the truth. Uh, it's mm -hmm. terrible. But the book Holy Abortion really takes all this on head on. And uh, you'll find uh, how it unravels this, this ridic these ridiculous positions. And one, one of the things Holy Abortion does is it shows that the claims of the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice are far more extreme than what the actual positions of these denominations are and the people right. that belong to them. They try to take it to the extreme. They actually misrepresent the views of their member groups. Uh, so, um, all right. So that's something that uh, is uh, particularly important to, uh, okay. to have. Well, I think then, about. Father, if we have no more burning questions, uh, we can close. I'll ask you to close us with a prayer. And brothers and sisters, just remember SupremeCourtVictory.com. That's where you get all the information as we make it available. We load everything up there. And um, tomorrow night, join us again at 9 o'clock. We will be back. And Father will get to his whiteboard there and teach us <laughs> more about this decision. Well, we'll go deeper. Yeah, we'll go, we'll deeper, go deeper into the decision. Yeah. yeah. Because I think, Father, the more we understand... And then when we give them the talking points, you'll have this deeper understanding. So when you say those talking points, you, you're very confident about what you're saying. And then you'll be able to explain even deeper when you want, when you need to. Okay. So um, let's have a closing prayer for everyone. Okay. Well, Janet, would you like me to use the prayer that's at Supreme Court Victory, the one that we revised? Yeah. yeah. yeah there's a new so, prayer now, Father wrote too. That's right. Because so many of you who have been following us, I mean, Janet, it's been over a year that we've been dealing with this Dobbs case because it I was know. announced in May of 2021. 
And uh, so at that time, as we have done for previous Supreme Court cases, we wrote, we wrote a prayer. We put it at SupremeCourtVictory.com. And, and so many of you have been praying that prayer faithfully with us all throughout this year. God answered that prayer. So now I took the prayer and changed it into a prayer of praise and thanksgiving and a prayer for building on the victory that we now have. So let me say this for you. And as I read this prayer, please know you can get it at SupremeCourtVictory.com. So let us pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God and Father of life, you love all that you have created and you protect all who are in danger. You entrust us to the care of each other and establish an earthly authority to protect the rights that you yourself bestow. Lord, for five decades, your people in America have prayed, marched, educated, lobbied, and voted seeking to end the destruction brought about by abortion and by the Roe v. Wade decision. And now, before our eyes, you have answered those prayers with the decision of the Supreme Court to reverse Roe and allow the people to protect the unborn once again. We praise you for your faithfulness and for the strength of our American Constitution that allows us to correct these mistakes. We thank you for all the work of all in the pro-life movement over these years to bring about this victory. We thank you for the lawmakers in Mississippi and elsewhere who have passed laws to protect the unborn despite the obstacles that the courts have put in the way. We thank you for the voters who have elected pro-life candidates at the state and federal level in the hope that Roe would eventually fall. We thank you for President Donald J. Trump and for the justices he placed on the Supreme Court, all of whom voted to reverse Roe. We thank you for all the justices who courageously voted the right way in this case, despite pressure, protests, and threats. We thank you that they have decided to restore to the people and their elected representatives the right to limit and prohibit abortion. Continue to give your grace and protection to them and to their families. Lord, as a result of this case, give the unborn and our whole nation a new and refreshing season of life. Bring us a new breath of freedom, a new measure of common sense, a rediscovery of justice and wisdom, and a big step forward in building a culture of life. Your Son, Jesus Christ, came to grant freedom to the oppressed. Grant freedom, then, to the children in the womb. And in these days, set our nation on a course of rejecting the violence of abortion and treating children in the womb with equal justice under law. Thank you, Lord, for the victory of life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And just one final thing, Father, I would be remiss if I didn't remind everyone about my brand new book. If you want more information and know how to discuss this issue, because that's going to be the topic for months and months and months to come. This is everything you need to know about abortion. Also good, uh, says for teens, but also good for adults. There's beautiful pictures, too, like they were talking about of the unborn child. There's a baby album in the middle. And you can go to abortionandteens.com place an order. I'll personally autograph it and sign it for you. So everything you need to know about abortion for teens. Uh, this is a great resource. I show you the history of abortion and I talk about the testimonies of women, men, and family members. 
but I also have a full chapter on how to argue the issue uh, without, you know, to be on the offensive more than the defense. Uh, so I hope you can get a copy, abortionandteens.com. So for Father Frank Pavone and myself, Janet Morana, Executive Director of Priest for Life, thank you for joining us this evening, and we'll catch you again tomorrow night on Just Ask Janet. God bless. Have a good night. God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.